worship you. Okay, so that was just a warm-up. For the older generation, it's time for you just to kind of like just let your body relax a little bit. Um, otherwise, tomorrow you're going to wake up and she, nothing wants to move. But we've got our faith out there that we're gonna, we want to believe God for a move of His Spirit, not only today, but every day from today, because He, he, he wants us to walk in victory. Can somebody, more than one person, say amen to that? Okay, so cool. So last week we started on the thing of um, repentance from dead works, and I dealt with repentance last week. And I want to read that scripture again in Hebrews chapter 6 that we're dealing with as the foundation that we're building on. Because remember, for a strong building, you've got to have a strong foundation. Okay, and you can't build a multi-story building on a single-story foundation. So God's checking and he's sorting out our, our foundation. So Hebrews chapter 6, 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary teachings of Christ and let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith and towards God and the doctrines of baptism and the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And this, will in, uh, this we will do if God permits. So last week was about repentance. Repentance, very simple. It's a 180-degree turn in your life. You're going in this direction. There's a remorse when God starts to speak and touch things in your life. There is a remorse that gets you to turn and walk away from it. That's repentance. Paul says to us, he says, produce fruit in, with, in line with repentance. So in other words, when you and I repent, there are certain things that change in our life, and people can see it. Amen. Because the world doesn't read their Bible. Listen to me very carefully. The world doesn't read the Bible, but they read Christians. I'm going to say it again. The world doesn't read the Bible. They read me and you. And have you been in a conversation lately? Where, well, not lately, or you've heard, if they call themselves a Christian, then I want nothing to do with God. Have you heard that? So now you understand the importance of you and I living correctly. Living our convictions and our passion for Jesus Christ. So we're going to deal with dead works today. And the reason why we wanted to do this now and then worship afterwards, I'm going to make some, maybe some crazy statements for you that's not going to fit in your head. And I'm asking you to be gracious and just listen. So, Judaism. Hebrews is writing to a bunch of Jewish people. They're not in Jerusalem. They're somewhere we don't know. Judaism was all about things that you did. So you had to bring an animal to the, to the altar to sacrifice it as a forgiveness of your sin. So they were very good in doing physical things to try and get results. Jesus came and he changed that. And that is why it's important for you and I to understand there's nothing you can do for Jesus to love you more. He loves you, full stop. You are extremely valuable and precious, every single one of us. In fact, the love that Jesus has for you, he has for the sinner that's living the worst. 
Because my Bible tells me in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus Christ. He didn't love Christians so Jesus came. He loved the world, the people that despised him. Therefore, his love for you and I will never change. It doesn't matter what you do. He will love you. He, he, he loves you. And so in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it says, How much more then will the blood of, of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, listen to this, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, in other words, useless rituals. So here the writer is telling us how those things, as good as they were in that time, they are useless now. Because there was a better sacrifice. His name was Jesus. He says, and so that we may serve the living God. And so I want to ask us, are we driven by works? And let me tell you how easy it is to slip into our life. When you have a low self-esteem, how easy is it to do things so that people will like you? I would say that about 80, 85% of the people sitting in this room are there. Because none of us want people not to like us. You want people to like you. You want people to think well of you. And so what happens is we get on this treadmill of, of trying to please people. And we actually should get on the treadmill of trying to please God. Because once you please Him, that's the most important. That's the most important voice that you and I need in our life is well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, not what people say. We, we love people. And so what God is doing is He's starting to check whether we've got skeletons in the cupboard. Don't go quiet on me now. You see, there's things about us that nobody knows, and we don't want anybody to know, so we close it in the cupboard. But the problem is, is that when certain things line up and certain situations arise, those skeletons come jumping out the cupboard. They come jumping out the cupboard when we don't really want them to come out. And all of a sudden, we behave in a certain way, and then we're embarrassed and all that kind of thing. I made a statement this morning, and thank you to everybody that has gone all over the, the world, it seems like, this weekend to be a blessing to other people. Thank you. But I made a statement. If we don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass us. If you don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass you. Because that's what sin is intended to do. And so the typical example of that is we add Jesus to our life and Jesus doesn't become our life. So if you add him to your life, he's just in competition with everything else that's going on around us. And if the, if the weather is good, we head off to the beach. But you see, if Jesus is my, part, of my, well, not part of my life, but if Jesus is my life, I come to church, I fulfill the things that he wants, I come to be a blessing, I come, I contribute, whatever, and after that I head for the beach. Why? Because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. When we start building our life correctly, all of a sudden, the horse gets in front of the cart again, and Alice looked. How do you say that in English? You don't even try. Everything works. Don't try. To Timothy 3.1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. It's not going to get easy. That's why your foundation needs to be strong. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, 
unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous or unfaithful, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I wonder how many of us are sitting in church every Sunday that's this, having a form of godliness and denying its power, not allowing God to work through us. And do you know how desperately God wants to work through us? Because your and my life is like a host pipe, taking something from one place and delivering it to another place, taking the glory and the power and the presence of Jesus from somewhere and, 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 and producing it somewhere so that someone's life can be impacted. Because your and my life is about living it away from myself so that others can benefit. You've become lost on the food chain. But when you live your life like that, then all of a sudden, life takes on a whole different meaning. You see, and it's easy to talk the talk. When you talk to somebody, they can say, hallelujah at the right time, and praise God, and God was good, and da, da, da. But if you look at their life, you don't see any track of Jesus at all. So it's easy to talk the talk, but God needs you and I to walk the talk. In fact, I heard somebody say this about Matthew 8, 28, 28 when it talks about the, um, the, the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And use words only if necessary. What do people see upon us? What do people see? So the definition of dead works is this. Any religious act calculated to gain merit with God by human efforts. Any religious act calculated to gain merit with God by human effort. Another one. Any work which has no capacity to be made alive by the Spirit of God. That's like a wake-up call. In other words, holding on to how things, how we used to do 40 years ago. Have you noticed how ch church has changed? And how we church was, and you look at church meetings, and you look at church today. God's not changed, but the way things are happening is changing it. Have you noticed that your children, when the children, kids church, before, it used to be those little flannel things. You don't even hear that word anymore. With a little picture, and they used to pluck it onto a board, and they tell a story or whatever. You go and tell that to kids today, and they look at you and say, what world did you come out of? Today, if it's not on a screen or some major technology thing, they're bored. So things are changing. The gospel never changes, but the way that we apply it and the way we present it has to be changing. Why? Because we're looking at a different world. Another one. Any work which is done in the energy of the flesh and not in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can fake God, but there's no fruit that lasts after it. But when God comes, it's a Hannes, Hendrik, Hendrik. Why do I want to call you Hannes? You look like a Hannes. Hannes. Walks away. Hendrik. <laughs> See, I'm even confusing myself now. Stop this thing, Basil. <laughs> you walk away from your thinking, there was nothing. Tomorrow morning, all of a sudden, you get dwa. Why? Because God knows where you live. He knows where you live. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You cannot stop. You know, you've been watching the, the, the floods and that kind of stuff that have been happening in different parts of the world. And when that water comes down, you can do whatever you want to. It's going to take away what it wants to take away, whatever's in its way. You can't stop it. You're not going to be able to stop what God wants to do. 
And if you're not wanting to work with him, he's just going to go around you. Mike Davies at, at our elders, uh, lead elders training yesterday, he made this thing. He said, rather desire God to work through you than work around you. Let's be those people that long for God, that he works, around, works through us, not around us. And let's not be those kind of people. Lord, will you bless what I'm doing? Instead of, Lord, what are you blessing so that I can do that? What are you blessing so that I can do that? Everything that we are commanded to do. Listen to me now. Now your eyes are going to go into nakafi mode. Everything that we are commanded to do can become a dead work. You want me to give you some examples? <laughs> Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. We know that. He says, but everything that, do, that you, you and I do without faith cannot please God. What does faith mean? We're going to deal with that because the next thing on our foundation thing is faith towards God. But faith is relying and trusting in Him. His word said it. I, I can't see Him. I don't understand it. But I'm sure going to throw my life at it. And I trust it's going to catch me. That's it. And when you do that, I want to tell you, God will never drop you. He might, not wait. he might wait until the last, last moment before he catches you. So I need to repent right now, put pause on everything else. That just to, I keep on wanting to tell you what happened to our house. And, I, and, and then I keep on forgetting. So do you mind if I do an in, interlude right now? This is not half time. Okay. So the end of the story is we've managed to get an extension on our house and we're staying where we are, and that all happened 20-something days after I had to be out. So God's never late, but the date of expiry had gone past. <laughs> and, and, and it was crazy because, I mean, they were asking us to do things. That, that was the one thing that they wanted me to, to prove, that I was going to be guaranteed that I was going to be employed for another year. Now, who in their right mind can do that right now? So you could see that the enemy was really trying to rattle the cage over here, and um, anyway, there's lots of other stuff. And, uh, but anyway, Jesus had a vision. So thank you for praying for us. And um, we're so grateful. So we're going nowhere. We're staying right here. I actually thought for a moment that I actually had to buy a caravan and go stay in a caravan park. It was going to be the easiest way out of there. So everything that does not require faith is dead work. And if, you do, um, and if you're doing something to get attention, it's a dead work. So look at me now. Don't change your eyes. Just look at me. Worship can become a dead work. Some people come to church. They worship God. They sing a couple of songs. They leave. It hasn't changed them. It hasn't drawn the presence of God, yet they've been worshiping. Why? Because it was a dead work. They've just done it out of a ritual. They've done it just to clear their conscience. Well, I did that and I ticked the box. But they've had no encounter with Jesus. Is every time when you and I get together, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there I am. He's here tonight. He's about to touch you. But we don't want you to go into worship like you did last week or the week before that or whatever. And we don't want you to go into worship because your mind is so consumed about what happened to you during this week. We want you to go into worship tonight in victory. And I ran that grave. 
prayer can be a dead work. Same old, same old, same old, same old. I want to throw for your consideration. The reason why we were baptized in the Holy Ghost is not just so that we could prophesy every now and then, but that it would become an important part of our prayer life, where we would touch heaven through our prayers. Because there's some things I don't know how to pray. I really don't. But when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, because the Bible says that Jesus is interceding for us all the time. And when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is listening to what Jesus is praying. And therefore, we'll be praying exactly the same. And therefore, the principle of the Bible, though two or more agree on any one thing, it comes to pass. See, because there's war in the heavenlies. There's war in the heavenlies. I'm getting off my subject over here. Deeds of kindness can be dead works. I'm just doing it because if I don't, what are people going to think? And if I don't do it, do they think I don't love them anymore? And what Gerald was saying, he says, you come to the end of yourself. And you've got no more means to do this as much as you want to. And we've got to deal with that. Because God loves you. That's it. If you do nothing, he loves you. But the problem is, his love stirs me to want to. And there's no condemnation on anything any longer. Preaching can be a dead work. Get up here, give the word, I did my job. No, no. God says I'm watching over my word to perform it. There is something that he wants to change in our life so that the person that walked in here doesn't walk out the same any longer. But their life had changed. That which the enemy used to use them and throw them around can no longer happen because they know who they are. I was saying to somebody this morning in in, in, um, Greenpoint, I love it when we minister the word and somebody comes in and their life is touched and they leave and the problem that they came with is solved because they heard the word. They heard the word. See, accepting Jesus, whoa, this is going to throw you. Accepting Jesus Christ as your savior can be a dead work. How? Let me tell you a story that was very close to home. When I, I, got, I got saved again. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, but there was time I just rededicated my life to the Lord. And I had a friend, I was an appy, and the two of us, we, got, we were very naughty together. Clean naughty, but we were naughty together. And um, he, 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 he really loved the girl, but she never served the Lord. And one day in a conversation, he said to her, he says, I can never marry you because you don't love God. You don't serve God. And so she started to come to church with us, and, and eventually she gave her heart to Jesus. I tell you what, our crowd, we were so excited. We were, yeah. And the whole thing, and what happens is wedding plans started to happen, da 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 da. And I was his best man. And I remember standing, and we did the whole ceremony, and I'm standing right next to him. And as I said, I pronounce you man and wife. She turned to him and said, Now choose between Jesus and me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. From a young man that really served God, was on fire for God. I picked, I found him a couple of years later, left Zimbabwe, landed up overseas somewhere, Singapore or Philippines or somewhere over there. He was eventually was living on a boat. His life was a mess. I want to say to every young person today, if you love somebody and they give their life to Jesus, you give them a serious time to show fruit of repentance. That they love Jesus, even if you're not around. And they will be committed to the church 
even when you're not around. And they're not doing it for you to get you to love them or get committed to them. They're doing it because they love Jesus so that after you marry, they will still keep on loving Jesus and you'll never have that thing happen to you. You see, the reality is Jesus never came to be our Savior. He came to be our Lord. He came to save us. But when he saved us, he wanted to take the position in our life that nobody else can take. He is Lord. He is Lord. So here's what the Bible says in Luke 6, 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? We're talking about dead works. Where I invite him to take over my life, but I don't obey him at all. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Matthew 7, 21. Every, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 24. Not everyone can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or mammon. You cannot serve both. You cannot be in two. You the, the, the very thing that, that, that got me to throw my life at Jesus is because I try to live that life of sitting on the fence, being Christian when I need to be Christian, and then I was being a tzotzi when I was needing to be a tzotzi. <laughs> and I was the most unhappiest character, and eventually I'm so glad I fell on the right side of the fence and gave my life to Jesus completely. The last week we read about this in 2 Corinthians 7, 10. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, leaves no regrets. You and I need to walk into this place where we have no regrets when we walk out of there. God, I gave you everything. I left everything. I brought everything that I have, my breath, my life, my energy, my attention, my, my everything I brought today. And I've left here. No, I have no regrets. But worldly sorrow brings death. See that this godly sorrow has produced in you. So when you and I do that, you're going to start to see certain things that are going to change in your and my life. This is what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, and what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have poured yourself to the point, uh, sorry, proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So there's a godly sorrow. I am so sorry for what I've done. I remember the one time I was working, and I was working seven days a week, and, and I'd gone on like for 18 months. So I could only get to the first two songs in praise and worship in church, and then I had to leave for work. And I was so hungry for God. And one day, I was in that, those days I was cleaning airplanes. And I was so hungry for God that when the first airplane coming in was delayed, and I could, for the first time in 18 months, I could sit through church. And I went to church that day and I said, God, today I'm going to give you everything. I am going to praise you with every fiber of my being. I don't care if I'm starting in the flesh, but God, I'm trusting that somewhere along the line something's going to change. You see, because if you're not desperate for God, it doesn't matter what you do. And I was so desperate, I went knocking on that door. In fact, I was knocked on that door so hard I was going to bulldozer it down if God wasn't going to open the door. That's the desperation I had. And I want to tell you, I had an encounter with Jesus that day that I'm so grateful for. But you see, he runs after hungry hearts. But dead works don't get you there. Doesn't get you there. In John chapter 6, people, 
put a lot of energy into following Jesus. And listen to this in verse 26. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and, and you were filled. Do not work for food that spills, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You see, sometimes we, can, we follow God because we, what we can get from him, not because of who he is. I want to ask you a question. If God never, ever blesses you for the rest of your life, will you still serve him? <laughs> now, we say it now. Until everything closes and life becomes difficult. And, and then we're going to say, God, why have you left me? You see, Jesus noticed it when his father wasn't around. Why have you forsaken me? Because a life without Jesus is not a life. But if God never had to bless you again, will you have the attitude of God, if I come to a meeting, I will give you everything still. That's a heart that's hungry for him. Can you imagine the Old Testament? There was 400 years at the end of the Old Testament that they never heard God speak. 400 years. That must have been wild. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes. And then God starts to speak real and live. Wow. Where am I now? Somewhere in here. Verse 28. Says, and they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus said, the works of God is this, to believe in the one who sent him. So they asked him, what? Yes. Let me read this first. What miraculous signs then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Here's people that have been following Jesus. They saw the people being fed with the loaves and the fishes and everything else. They saw the miracles. And now they're saying, what, what, what sign will you give us to say, you're the one? How much more evidence do you want? <laughs> I want to say to you, Jesus has touched you. Is there anybody in this room Jesus has not touched at all, ever? Therefore, you have enough evidence that Jesus is real, that Jesus is a God of his word, and therefore, you and I, should serve him with everything we have. Amen. We don't need another sign. We don't need another miracle. We don't need anything else. We've, we've got it already. So listen to the results in verse 66 of John 6. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you want to leave too? Do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Praise God, they had enough sense to realize they'd seen everything. Jesus is who they But the people that were just hanging on for the benefits believe. We're not here for the benefits. Yeah, because we love him with our whole heart. Amen. So remember Ephesians. Um, was it called that read it in the beginning? Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You see, God's not going to take your, your abilities and compare it to my abilities. Because if you do it better than me, that means you're ahead of me. So God puts you and I all on the earth. As long as you are giving what you have, God's happy. He says, I'm happy. And it does not, so therefore, heaven is not about performance. It's just about you and I giving. 
You see, we're not Christians because of what we did. We're Christians because of what he did. We owe everything. So salvation is God's gift to us. It's free. Can't be worked. But once you and I are saved, our participation, our gift in operation, our commitment, our loyalty, our faithfulness, our involvement, our gratitude, our appreciation, our thankfulness for what Jesus has done, that's our gift to Jesus and demonstrating that. So when I come and worship, I come and give him everything I have. Jesus' love is complete and is, is not determined by my behavior. But there is consequences to my not good behavior. That's why we deal with sin. And we don't allow sin. We don't entertain sin. Because it's intended to hurt you. It's intended to destroy you. So when we go back to John 6 again. When there were no, no more miracles. When, it was, when there was no more getting. The giving also stopped. And they're not interested anymore. And here's the deal. Our, our walk with God, our commitment with God, there's going to come a time when faith, submission, and my commitment is going to be a requirement to get me through. Because there are going to be difficult times. Life is not easy. You have mountains you've got to climb. There's times it's like you read the word and it's like eating sawdust. But I eat it anyway. Because somewhere along the line, it's going to nourish me. Somewhere along the line, in the sawdust, there's maybe going to be, a, be something small that's going to add some nourishment to me. And I take it. And I take it. I take it in the little bits. I don't keep, don't, here's the thing in life. Don't stop doing what is right when you don't feel like it doing it anymore. You keep doing the right thing. Get out of bed. People do not want to serve the Lord anymore. You see, the reason why I'm saved is to make Jesus my Lord. I come to church and I'm part of this family or wherever else anybody is plugged in. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. I want to tell you, you never have to ask me if I'm coming to church. Do you know that? Because the day I got born again, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And so therefore, church is part of my life. That's it. I come to church. I go to comp. I do all those things because I've made up my mind. I want to serve God. I reach out to people who don't know Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. I serve in this house. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. I function in my gift. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. I want to reflect him in my whole life. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. I love people. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. Is everybody easy to love? No. You've got me to live with. How much money do you want? <laughs> but because Jesus is my Lord, I do it. There's been times when people have got very angry with me. And um, the nice thing is when you live in a, a small town, you kind of like bump into each other regularly. And it's very interesting to watch people. When they see you coming, they move to the other side of the street and they do window shopping. They're looking at the window of the shop and whatever. But there's nothing in the window, but they're looking and they're trying to see whatever. So I deliberately walk across the street to the other side and I go, Hi, it's nice, so nice to see you. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. Jesus loves people. 
I reach out to the hurting and the broken. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. Where am I? Mark 9, 41. Whoever gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to Christ, as surely I say to you, you will by no means lose your reward. In the little things that you do, heaven magnifies it and sees the great deed that you're doing. So often we, you know, people say, man, you've been such a blessing. And I'm thinking, what did I do? Actually, doesn't seem like I did anything. But yet the little that I did do was so amazing for them. I phoned somebody the other day, part of the church in Lady Brand, a black lady that lives in a place called Marquat. Have you ever heard of Marquat? It's almost like it doesn't exist. And, um, and, 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 and she was part of the congregation. She used to travel 70 kilometers to Lady Brand to come to church. There were times when, when um, her car was broken. And then I would give somebody my car to go and fetch her and bring her to church. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. And God has connected our hearts that even to today, if I phone her, it's like amazing. Memapule is her name. And um, it's just amazing. But it's just the little things. And, and, and here's the deal. And what makes it very sad is that she says, you know, since you've left, nobody's ever phoned me. Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with instruction. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from their wickedness. In other words, if we confess Jesus as Lord, we must repent from our dead deeds. We must repent from our sin. Turn away, walk away from those things. And I want to encourage us today, I'm going to leave it right there. What do you need to turn from a dead work to a living relationship. Are you just praising and worshiping the Lord just out of habit? Are you coming to church out of habit? What is it? I don't know where you're at. But I'm asking that from today onwards, you would look through different eyes and realize the value of what you do because it's building this relationship and it's making it stronger every single day. Every time you do it, it's making it stronger and stronger. God's called us to repent from dead works. Turn away from them. Walk away from them. Everything you do now, if you don't understand it, you say, Father, I don't understand it, but your word says so, I'm going to obey your word. Here we go. You called me to worship you. God, I'm going to worship you. What do you need to do to worship? Cut everybody out? I don't know. Maybe you need to go and kneel over there one side or something. I don't know what you need to do. But as long as you connect with Jesus, that's the most important thing for you. When you're reading his word, make sure, whatever reading program you put in yourself, make sure that somewhere along the line, you're getting something out of his word. And somewhere down the line, we maybe can talk about how to read the word. And, and, and very simple, I'm, I, I'm, I have simple ways of doing things because I, I, I want to be able to read something and walk away with it and can do something with it. That's the most important thing. So we're going to go and worship now. And we're going to ask God to really invade our lives. But before we do that, I'd like all of us to stand, please. And I'm going to hand the meeting back over to Carl.
And I want to ask, you, you, you need to answer the question for you. Is there something that you need to fix? If there's nothing, praise God. If there is something, will you right where you're at? Ignore everybody around you. Close your eyes. They can't see you. You can't see them. It's fine. They're gone. And just fix the things that you need to fix. Father, I want to thank you right now. As we come to your presence. You said you would. Signs and wonders will follow the ministry of the word. And I'm asking that now. Signs and wonders will follow the ministry of your word. In every single one of our lives. And the one thing that I really pray against is the feeling of condemnation. Of constantly not hitting the mark and failing. And we feel like we are a failure. But Father, I thank you that because we failed, it doesn't make us a failure. It just means we missed the mark. But if we will shoot again, we have the ability of hitting the mark. And I pray that for those that tonight, Lord Jesus, that maybe feel like they've missed the mark so often and don't know what to do, Lord, as they aim again tonight. Will you help them hit the mark? Will you cause them to experience something that will change things in life forever in the name of Jesus? I break the spirit of heaviness that would want to keep people from entering your presence. I'm asking that you would invade. And as people repent, you said times of refreshing will come when we repent. So Father, I pray now times of refreshing would now move over every single one of us. It doesn't matter whether we've been serving you for a long time or we've just been serving you recently. Father, I'm asking tonight in Jesus' name, there's no time like now in the name of Jesus. Father, breathe upon your people. Breathe upon your people. Break every chain of bondage, I pray, in Jesus' name. Loose your people, loose your people, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the first part of worship, Caitlin had a word, and I really do believe that. And she didn't know what Basil was going to preach about, because you've been upstairs. And so isn't it amazing how God can use any one of us at any particular time? And even in saying that, I want to encourage you that even in this time of meeting, that you would just say, Lord, if you want to use me right now, whether it's, we love the gifts, words, prophecy, encouragement. And uh, as Basil was preaching, I was really, really cognizant of this thing of just being, you know, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and one thing that he called them out was a religious spirit. You know, and, I, and that's, he says, you're full of dead works because of a religious spirit. And you know, sometimes you often wonder, why do we call people to the front? Why do we, why do we, is it just to be crazy in the front? No. It's to break the religious spirit in us that keeps us stuck in doing the things the same way. Over and over again. And so as Caden shares the word that she had, I really want to encourage you again. If you know the Lord is challenging you, that you've seen his, the Holy Spirit has highlighted dead works, even as we begin to worship him, that you would come to the front. It's a step of obedience it's a stepping out of the old and into the new. It's showing that you are hungry. It's an act, a physical act of saying, Lord, I'm showing that I, I want to be walking in what you've called me. So, Kellen, would you share what, what the Lord spoke to you about? So, earlier 
I saw a person standing on a black desert where everything was burnt and there was nothing alive. And then there was a very fine line. And then opposite the line was beautiful lush meadows and a stunning gold city and palace. And all you have to do is step over to go to Jesus' palace, Jesus' city, to live with him. So in that, you even recognize as you come forward, we're going to worship. Is that maybe there's, you've been on that side where it's just been dead for a long time. You haven't felt the move of God. You haven't stepped in and walked in what he's called you. You slipped into a religious way of coming to church and just doing the Christian thing. And God says there's much, much more for you. There's more. There's always more. So if you're not satisfied with where you are, I want to encourage you to come to the front now. We're going to worship the Lord. And let's really trust and wait on God and I want you to stir up the gifts that God has given you and if you're feeling a word of prophecy even maybe it's maybe it's for someone in this congregation you don't have to come to me I want to encourage you go to that person and prophesy over them what the Lord is saying thank you Craig